My name is Sarah Brandy. Uh, I'm the marketing manager for Yume Okatare and Yume Ga Arukara in Boston, Massachusetts, in Foursquare. Amazing. So how were you first introduced to Yume? So um, I went to Brandeis, and when I was maybe a junior or a senior, um, I heard about this place opening up in Porter called Yume. And it took me like a whole semester, but I finally got all my friends to come into the city and try it out. So we just went to go eat. And as soon as we walked up, you know, obviously there was this huge line outside and we were like, Ugh, why do we have to wait outside? It's cold. It's such a waste. <laughs> but then once we got inside and once we got that crazy bowl in front of us, like my mindset totally changed. What is this? I've never had anything like that before. So I think we had a group of six friends and out of my six friends, um, I finished my bowl first. And I was looking up and there was a sign that said, if you want to change the world, work here. So at the time I was a senior, I think. And, you know, I'm not from Boston, so I didn't really know what I was going to do after I graduated. And so I was, you know, I saw that sign and I was like, well, okay, you know, I want to change the world. Why not? So they were looking for a social media manager at the time. And so, yeah, I gave my information. Um had an interview with Tsuyoshi-san, and yeah, got hired. Could you, for people who might not know what Yume Wakathre is as a shop or a dream shop or a ramen shop, can you just explain maybe what a typical experience is, or atypical experience mm. when you would enter? Yeah, well, Yume Wakathre means share your dreams or express your dreams, and so for us, we want to make a place where you feel as though your dreams are limitless and you can achieve anything that you want to do. And people are going to support you to do that. So the way that we practice that is that we serve you a huge bowl of ramen that you feel like there's no way I'm going to be able to finish everything. And then you do finish it. And it's like, wow, this is like, I feel so good. I feel accomplished. Um, and you share that and you just receive so much support and so much love. So typically when you come in, you know, there's going to be a line outside, but that's okay because it's the perfect time to kind of set your goals for the day. You know, that time that you're waiting outside with your friends is like, or by yourself too, you kind of have that uh, reflective time to think about what you want to accomplish either while you're with us in the shop or outside after like the rest of your day rest of your week rest of your month once it's your turn you come inside take your order you know sit down and then as soon as you get that bowl of ramen in front of you it's like go time it's time <laughs> to really you know put the pedal to the metal put the chopsticks to the bowl put the food to your mouth and uh just go for it and then once you finish that, you stand up, you introduce yourself, you share your dream, and everybody in the shop cheers to support you, no matter what your dream is. You know, if it's a big dream, small dream, it doesn't really matter, just as long as you have a dream. What's an interesting dream that you've heard? I don't know if you can share, if mm, that's okay. Yeah. Because I'm not in the moment, I guess. Yeah, but. there's a lot of, there's been a lot of dreams. Um yeah, I've been working in the shop for three years. I think the most powerful dream that I've heard is that we had um, 
a customer come in actually during our anniversary a couple years ago and the customer shared that their dream was to finish their like lifelong um, video game project um, while they were battling with cancer. I'm not really sure what ended up happening to that customer. I don't remember seeing them, you know, recently. But yeah, I hope that you know they're able to continue working on their project. Every time I go, I don't know the people there, but mm. for some reason, I feel a sense of connection and camaraderie once I hear their dream and I want them to succeed no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> so that's I think like super powerful and why I love UMA so much. Yeah, something that's really special about that space that we create is that literally you're in a room full of strangers, you know, maybe they're your neighbors, maybe they're your friends, maybe you've never met them before in your life, but the simple act of sharing your dream and supporting someone's dream can really bring the whole room together. I think that's something that's so magical about Mm -hmm. UMA. One thing I'm really curious about is I think being in Japan and trying different noodles, Yume Wakatari's noodles mm. are so unique. Mm-hmm. And so is the concept and the broth and how much work goes into the process. How do new ideas um, develop, such for the, like, the udon? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you come up with, like, the, I, one day I went, there's a spicy ram, mm-hmm. uh, ramen. Yeah. Yeah, so what is the whole process of deciding on the menu and coming up with new ideas and cooking, too? Cooking yeah. Yeah. So the original recipe comes from um, a shop called Ramenjiro in Japan. And Ramenjiro is famous for being a huge bowl with super thick noodles, thick soup, thick pork, a lot of veggies, um, and a lot of garlic as well. And so our owner um, used to work at a Ramenjiro and used to have his own branch of that. And then while he was working there, he was inspired to do his own take and add his own concept to that style of ramen. So our style of ramen is very familiar to people in Japan who have had Jiro style ramen, but it's not found anywhere else in the U.S. except maybe one shop in California. Our owner... um, kind of decided that this he wanted to make this style of ramen because it matched with the concept so the concept is all about you know your dream should be limitless they should be no dream is too big or too small this bowl of ramen is very challenging to eat it's purposefully big we serve you a lot of food on purpose because we want you to be challenged and we want you to see how much you can achieve if we had a different concept we'd make a different style of ramen so that's where the original recipe came from. As far as the spicy or as far as any of the monthly specials that we do, they're all developed in-house by the whole team. So if somebody on the team has an idea, for example, we have a Korean-American member who wanted to eat her mom's bulgogi recipe. And so she developed a recipe for spicy bulgogi. Um, and... We all work together to collaborate to make that happen. And then we offered that as a monthly special. That sounds so good. Right? <laughs> Super good. People still ask me about it. And you, So it's only a monthly special. So it would show up for one day or a couple days mm, or whatever t- the person was in? No, we would typically do it um, for lunch and then maybe limited hours for dinner. Mm. But it's not something... Like The reason that we keep it limited is because if it's your dream to try it, 
you'll make it happen. You that's know an interesting. I mean? Yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it. How yeah. do you know about that? You would just have to go in. Uh, you ask? can always check our Facebook and Instagram. Oh, okay. Cool. So we always. I mean, I'm the marketing yes. manager, so <laughs> we always uh, keep those updated with everything that's going on. But you do have to be checking because you know it's kind of limited. So we also have a Twitter. But mm. to be honest, the only people that follow us on Twitter are Japanese people in Japan. Our Twitter is huge in Japan. But nobody in the U.S. uses it. But you have um, Japanese locations, don't you? We do, Japan but they locations. each have their own handle. Oh, but the Yumeo Katare Boston at Yumeo Katare Boston mm-hmm. on Twitter is only followed by Japanese. Oh, people. that's so yeah, that's so interesting. I think I that Twitter even... is huge in Japan um, for businesses. Obviously, it's big for businesses in the U.S. as well. Mm-hmm. But the way that the kind of marketing game is going is that instagram is huge instagram. for businesses it's all visual some dishes visually they look so much better if you place it in a certain way with something facing the customer like when we serve the ramen we want to make sure that the pieces of pork are always facing the customer because when we drizzle the pork fat on top the way that the pork fat um glistens on the pork is like so beautiful Mm -hmm. and so we always want to make sure that we're doing that but if Mm -hmm. you serve it on the other side where the pork is facing away from the Mm -hmm. customer they're not going to get that impact from the first moment Mm -hmm. so they might have a different feeling towards the dish sometimes customers don't even think about if they're not engaged and if they're not interacting if they just think about the meal as just food they're losing out on so much effort and so much preparation that goes into it. They're just there to eat. I hope that, you know, even if you go to Yume just to eat some good food, that's okay. But I hope that passively you can kind of get a feel for what's going on, that there's so much more than just food. You touched upon like how ideas and recipes are formed, but mm. I'm also very curious about like how early do you have to go into the restaurant to prepare for all that? Because I would imagine the stock and the broth mm-hmm. takes a long time to develop. And how does that whole process? Do you have to reuse things mm. now and then, or fresh? Is it made fresh? Or yeah, um, we try to make everything as fresh as possible because we. So whenever every time that we eat the ramen we can match it to our ideal bowl of ramen, the, bo- the perfect bowl that we are trying to make. And we can, you know, taste and see what needs to be adjusted. Like, oh, maybe the pork is a little bit too salty today. Let's reduce that the next time. Or, oh, these noodles are the perfect texture, but they're a little bit too wide. So the next time we make noodles, we're going to adjust that as well. So... We are we are constantly making the ingredients. Mm-hmm. Like, if you come in, lunch or dinner, the soup is going to be boiling no matter what. It's mm-hmm. always going. Um, it's about a 10-hour soup. Mm-hmm. And so Mike usually gets in around 7 to start prepping. And when he goes in, you know, sometimes he'll make noodles if he needs. Sometimes he'll, you know, make the soup, um, cut the cabbage, cut the veggies, mm-hmm. prep the pork for mm-hmm. today and tomorrow. But, yeah, we're constantly making ramen yeah because i i know like it takes so much work to actually yeah. make the stock too <laughs> yeah i watched that i recently watched a movie called <coughs> ramen heads have you heard of that movie mm-hmm. and like the process they show is so yeah, yeah it's so it's a long lot of work. but it's so fascinating though for yeah. someone who loves eating that 
and how much work goes into it. So too. the guy that was featured in Ramen Heads w- used to be a loyal customer at Tsuyoshi-san's Yume in Japan. Are you serious? They're friends. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Tsuyoshi-san has a lot of friends. Yes, I imagine. <laughs> I feel, again, you were talking earlier about the noodle community in mm. Boston. Um, can you just talk more about that? I think it's something that's a larger part of the restaurant industry as well is that you know, everybody in the industry knows how much work goes into making one bowl of food. And I think that that's something that we can all kind of um, commiserate with or kind of understand each other. So, you know, if you put something good out and somebody else eats it, then you feel like you want to connect with them and appreciate that or kind of like learn from them even. And so... Yeah, I think it's just kind of a connection of a dream and hard work. Just kind of a mutual appreciation of the quality that you put into your dish. Like, um, whenever I go to eat at other places around Boston, like, I love going to Tsudubin because they do a totally different style of ramen than what we do, but their flavors are so good. And, like, I just love, like, I I feel good when I eat that food. So I want to go and, like... I want to support them. Even though I don't work there, I want to go, like, wash dishes or something just because I, I like, like that bowl. I think one vein from that that we talked about earlier, too, is how noodle preparation changes mm-hmm. depending on the weather. Because mm-hmm. for me, I enjoy ramen all year round. Me too. Anytime I want. Yeah, me but too. But how does that, yeah, how does it make it difficult on your end or does it change on your end? How much? What, do you, what are the differences that you see with the ramen quality? Yeah, so when you're making noodles, um, you need to have a certain level of humidity um, in the room that you're making the noodles in. So we make all the noodles in-house in a back room. We have this huge machine that we brought over from Japan. And yeah, you always need to be taking the temperature of the room and making sure that there's the correct amount of moisture in the air in order that the dough will set properly. Um, you also need to, you know, check the water temperature, make sure that it's at the correct degree. And maybe you need to change the ratio of flour to water sometimes, um, depending on how everything's working together. So, yeah, it's just a constant, like if you want to make consistently good noodles, then you always need to be checking, checking, double checking um, every day. Like you can't just rely on a recipe. You kind of have to I think this is a something that you hear a lot repeated all across Yume is that you always need to check and see how you feel. If you feel like it's a good noodle, go for it. If you feel like it's a bad noodle, change it. Do something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you feel like your dream is taking you in the right direction, then follow that. But if you feel like you're not getting anywhere, figure out another way to go. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um that's interesting because I don't typically cook for myself or mm-hmm. I don't cook a lot. It's okay. And are, cook do you cook you. a lot? <laughs> um, I mostly eat ramen. Uh, eat yeah. Ramen. How often do you eat ramen? That's also a question I have. Just... Yeah. I eat ramen almost every day. Wow. And uh, is it, it's not necessarily you may ramen? No, or is I it? pretty well. Whoa. So I work, we work Tuesday through Saturday. Right. Sunday and Monday is our weekends. On Sunday, I usually go to Tsudaman in Davis. So I'll eat ramen, but it's another ramen. Wow. And then Monday, I like to go try other restaurants in Boston. Mm. Um, 
We've had a lot of other like managers and other chefs come into Yume, so I want to go try their places as well. Gotcha. So I've kind of developed like my own little community of like local small restaurants um, in Cambridge, Somerville, those kinds of places. And I heard that you guys have um, things where you could buy, like pay a certain amount and just get free ramen every day. Is that a ah, still thing? The pass holder program. Oh yeah, pass holder. What is that? Yeah, so we have a community of people who, so once a year, we open up this pass holder program. And what that is, is um, last year for $800, you sign up and you get a pass, a card that allows you and a friend to eat anything you want, anytime, you know, unlimited amount of ramen for the whole year. Well, it's not truly unlimited. Oh, you can like... get a hundred bowls per day. That's the limit. <laughs> Has anyone taken that offer? <laughs> up? I don't know. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> I think the most at Yume, I think the most anyone's eaten in a day is three. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, but at Arukara, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, but udon is actually the udon is way easier to eat than the ramen. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that the same way? It's oh, yeah. Easier to eat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, at Yume, the most I've eaten is two bowls. Um, wow, that's still a lot, though. It is. It is. But it was my dream that month. So last February, I had a dream that I wanted to eat two bowls of ramen. Like, um, the we offer extra noodles, and that's two times the size of a bowl in one bowl. And it took me all month to train to be able to eat that. So what I did was I started with the normal bowl and then I added like 50 grams of noodles every week. And then the end of February, I got up to the two bowl amount and I did it. Wow, it that's good. amazing. And you trained for it too. Yeah. And you accomplished your dream I had well. to plan out how to achieve my dream. That was the strategy that I figured out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it felt so good. I felt a little bit like I was going to die, <laughs> but it was okay. Oh, that's so fun. Every time I go to Yume Wakatane, I... I've never been able to finish the soup. Mm. I feel like it's really salty to me. Mm-hmm. I always think about drinking the soup and then mm. I end up not doing that. But with the udon, I don't need to. The soup is light and mm-hmm. not as salty, I guess. That's true. Well, it is still pretty salty, but yeah. it is less fatty. That's true. So the yeah. fat really fills you up, the pork fat mm-hmm. in the ramen, whereas the udon is pretty light. Mm-hmm. It's not very fatty, so you don't feel as full. Mm-hmm. In addition, the noodle consistency is totally different. Totally. So the ramen noodle is about 80% high-density flour. So when you eat even one of those noodles, it's equivalent to like three or four udon noodles. Whereas the udon noodle is about 80% water. So the flour-to-water ratio is totally different. So that's why when you eat the ramen noodle, it kind of sits, kind of feel heavy. But the udon noodle, it's just water, so it goes away mm-hmm. pretty quickly. So that's why it's probably about three udon bowls is the equivalent of one ramen bowl. Always with the um, udon, it's the line's so long. Yeah. Honestly, before, I mean, we were featured in Bon Appetit, and so that kind of expanded our popularity to people that didn't already know Yume. Before that, we had a lot of customers, and a lot of them came from Yume Okatore. But now we're getting people that have never been to Yume. So it's really interesting because they don't know the concept right away. 
so that's really interesting to see wait so what do you do when you run out you just stop we just stop serving mm. yeah because oh, you know because it's only two of us myself and tomo the chef we can only make so much noodle per day and so much soup and so much you know preparation so we are limited just by our manpower of how much we can serve mm -hmm. so of course we want to serve as many people as possible and we need to balance to make sure we're keeping the quality high what sorts of ingredients do you get to make the whole broth where do you source the ingredients from for yume or arukara it's different right for it's both different, of them yeah uh, what do you look for in ingredients yeah so we look for taste is the best factor that we look for if we eat something and we like it we're gonna use it doesn't matter how expensive it is because at the end of the day if you're making something that you don't want to eat why why are you doing that that's mm -hmm. such a waste you know, if I didn't want to eat ramen, if I didn't want to eat udon, I would quit that day and I would do something else. That's one of the values that our owner has as well. The whole reason Arukara opened up is because one day he woke up and he thought, I really want to eat udon. So he went and learned how to make it. The process of opening up a new restaurant and being so close to one another, how has that helped or yeah. I guess... What are the, the nice things about being close to one another? I think it is really nice to have another place so close because we still have that sense of closeness and we still have that sense of connection. I feel like if Arukara was across the river or if Arukara was downtown, we would not stay as connected maybe to the concept as each other. I think the concept would have evolved to be pretty different. Um, we actually had some plans to open up a Yume downtown. Um, it didn't end up working out, but I think that that Yume would have been a lot different. Um, not necessarily in a bad way, but just the concept probably would have evolved in a different way. So having Arukara really close is actually pretty nice because, you know, I do see some of the same customers at both places. And it's interesting to see you know, how they interact at different places. Mm. I feel like at Arukara, the, you know, so Yume is mostly geared towards college students. Interesting. That's the target demographic. Whereas Arukara is geared towards more young professionals. So it's really interesting the different t types of people and the different atmospheres that we have there. Why is it, why are those the target audiences? Well, if you think about it, with the style of ramen, the huge fatty style, college students are more likely to eat that kind of food you know you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat the rest of the day you can just eat once and you'll be good whereas with young professionals or like people that are in their 20s 30s probably don't want to eat something super fatty as much or as often as the customers at Yume. so it's a little bit more of a mature dish I think yeah. Uh, yeah, I've noticed that in Japan, too. But I guess with ramen as well, but especially udon, where people would go in, eat, not even talk to one another, mm -hmm. which I guess is kind of the style, like where you are facing forward, you mm -hmm. can talk to your friend or come in alone. Yeah. But it was very much like that, where it's like it's focused on the food and the dish. And mm -hmm. We actually, we really don't want you to like chit chat too much at Yume because... It's really a place for you to focus and for you to think about your dream. What we want you to do is focus while you're there. And then after you leave, 
talk about it with your friend on your way back and think like wow I ate a lot of food like dude you ate so much like think about what you can achieve with all this so we want you to be in the moment while you're there and then afterwards chit chat with your friend about it Right, yeah. I think that's so interesting because a lot in American culture, especially here, you order before you sit down. Whereas, right. like, at a restaurant, and like an American-style restaurant, you sit mm-hmm. down, talk a little, someone comes, and, right. yeah, it's less about the food and more about the conversation sometimes. Yeah. For us, we do try to keep things in a more traditional Japanese sense in that, you know, we are trying to change a little bit of the culture around food and around, you know, going out. So... You know, we always say that, you know, we want to change the world at Yume. And one of the ways that we can do that is by kind of showing you a different side of food, like what food means and what it can mean. So we always say Yume is not a restaurant. You know, it's it's a place for you to share your dreams. And that's really what we mean. Like, we're, you're not going to come in and have, like, if you're expecting to come in and have a typical sit-down restaurant experience you'd probably better be going somewhere else. Like, you're not going to enjoy it. A final question or sure. for you is, can you share your dream? Sure. Which yeah. one? I have a lot. <laughs> your current dream. Yeah, I, Like, if you were at UMA today and you said share mm. a dream, what would you share? Okay. Well, I have a multi-part dream that I'm working on. So the big focus right now is my dream is to go to France next summer and live there for a month and go to the Women's World Cup. So the Women's World Cup is in France next month. Not next month, next summer. It's in Paris, it's in Lyon, it's in a whole bunch of cities across France. So I'd like to, you know, go live there, go to the games, and ultimately watch the U.S. win the World Cup again. But in order to do that, I need to learn a little bit of French. So Another dream is that I'm studying French right now in order to kind of get a survival sense of the language. Um, Another dream is I need to figure out my budget and Airbnb and figure out transportation. Uh, Another dream is finding the time away from Yume, like um, to in order to take a month off and go to France. Um, And another dream is that maybe we could open up Yume in France and expand into Europe. And so, yeah, that's a multi-part dream. Thanks for sharing. This is so fun. Yeah. (laughs) 